eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. You with the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. What's up, everybody? We are back, Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. We are going over the Fantasy Football Awards. All right, for the 2023 2023 season, MVP, Best Value, Best Waiver Wire Pickup, Best Rookie. Wide receiver, best rookie tight end. There's actually some rookie tight ends that have done something this year. Most improved Crazy. player, uh, best comeback player. We just try to come up with as many awards as possible, right? Like when you don't have actual, when you don't have to like create physical awards, just why not just create as many as you can, right? Just like right. you get a trophy <laughs> and you get a trophy and you get a trophy, just award as many guys as you can, right? We only have one negative trophy and that's the biggest bust, right? But outside of that, it's positivity, baby. It's only positivity. Okay, we're also going to go over playoff scenarios as well going into week 18. There's a bunch of teams that need to win to get in. Some teams need some help. We're going to go over all of it. So you're not you're, you're going to be going into this weekend knowing exactly who needs to win, exactly what needs to happen for these teams to make the playoffs and for that to be set going into wildcard weekend. Okay, let's get it popping. Okay, so listen, by the way, I know a lot of people are like, I, I'm hoping that Faraz can go over some week 18 matchups and all that. kind. Of, I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. Why? Because I'm boycotting your week 18 championship. Okay. This should not happen. Your championship needs to be in week 17 and week 17 only. And if you if championship is in week 18, I cannot help you. No, right, I hear that. 100%. Yeah. There's no reason to have week 18 championship. And um, let's see. Yeah. I, I'm in one league where it's like that and, and it, it's no fun. You know, you, you have players just opting out of games. You know, they're they're, they're being sat. Lamar Jackson's not going to play. Patrick Mahomes isn't going to play. All these yeah. top players, Matthew Stafford's not going to play. Like, 
guys that you need to rely on, like if, especially if it's a two week championship, some people do a two week championship. Imagine having your guys like week 17, and then week 18 rolls around. It's like, now you have just backups. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you, you, don't, you don't want to deal with that. 100%. I agree with that. So I, I would say, I mean, the solution that I've seen to that happening is like, I've seen both players that are in the championship decide that they're just going to split the pot for the, like the winnings. You know, they're just like, okay, we're not going to leave this up to chance where one of us gets screwed by our players being out. They just split the pot, you know? So if you're in that situation, I, like that, that kind of works, you know what I'm saying? Cause it I gives do want to mention, insurance. I do want to say something about the split pot thing for week 18. I get it. But for week 17, like if you like, let's say you're going into week 17 and one of the guys wants to split the pot beforehand and you decide like, all right, you know what? No matter what happens, we'll do 70, 30, 50, 50, whatever. I hate it. I hate it. I can't. Oh, yeah, no. I, I, I'm not advocating for that in week 17. Like, forget about that. Yeah. But week 100%. 18, yeah. But like, I've seen it and I've even gotten DMs about it. Like, hey, like, what should the split be between these two lineups? And I'm just like, what? What? Play the game. Yeah. Whoever wins gets 100%. The other person gets zero. That's it. It's exactly, That's the way to do it's it. exactly how it works in the NFL. There's a reason you play the game. You don't play the game on paper. Because you could look at you a matchup on, on paper and to be like, win the game. Yeah. That, that's it. Can don't, you imagine don't ever it all the way to the championship? And then, like, you make it all the way Ailing to the championship. Out. And then now, like, you get there and you're like, oh, well, I don't need to worry about what happens here because I already split the pot. <laughs> yeah and then like if, if you initiate if you're the one that says like oh we need to split the pot you're definitely getting like the 30 end of it instead of the 70 you know what i'm saying because like the other person would have to agree to it it's just it's dumb like if you made it to the championship obviously you've done something right that's just bailing out it's, i mean i get it like in betting there's cash outs you know you don't want to you want to maximize your winnings and minimize that's, the risk that that's kind of different thing. cash outs are fine yeah. it's different you're right but like with, with fantasy football it's a week-to-week thing the best team could have the worst performance and i've seen that so many times i had that happen to me so it's like any given week. We talked about it last time. You said it's like the game is any given week. Why would you leave it like that? Like that's especially if your team ends up winning, like you're going to look back and be like, man, I regret that. Like I'd rather have a shot at 100 percent of it and have a chance at zero than take 30 and then know that I missed out on even bigger just because I didn't believe in myself, which is stupid. You know, <laughs> just uh, you let know, it go. I, I, I am a I am a cash out guy. Like if I got like a seven leg parlay. And I got like, you know, a bunch of them and I get a little cash yeah. out, get some free money. I'm taking it. Hey, I'm taking sometimes it. Sometimes you got to see the green. You got to see the green sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that before. Right. I, I had any time touchdown score parlay. I remember it was a four leg and I had Nico Collins as my last leg. I was like, I don't think it's going to happen. Oof. I cashed out. Luckily, it didn't happen. So I actually okay. made money on that. But that, that, good. that feels good. That feels yeah. good. Yeah. Um, we, we posted on Instagram, we ended up posting our um, MVP voting. Right, and the the in our community over on Instagram, uh, voted for their fantasy football MVP for 2023. Um, I will not share the results with you on this podcast no. because we are going to reveal it over on Instagram at Upperhand Fantasy. Okay, um, but we can tell you who the candidates were. Okay, yeah, CD Lamb, obviously, right. 23 right. points per game this year and he absolutely killed it when it came when it mattered in the fantasy playoffs Tyreek Hill you know got definitely if you had Tyreek Hill on your team you definitely made the playoffs right like there's like a 90% yep. chance you made the playoffs but when you got there it wasn't so hot right because no. he got hurt and it wasn't great and you can tell that he wasn't himself 
uh, Puka Nakua, who is nominated. Spoiler alert: He's nominated for like seven awards that we have going on right now. Okay, yeah, this is so he fits many. like the bill okay. for every single one of them. He really does. <laughs> he really does. Okay, um, seventeen point eight fantasy points per game. And remind and just a reminder: Cooper Cup is on that team. Okay, yeah. Christian McCaffrey, 24, 24.5 points per game. He is the league leader in fantasy points per game. Okay, so he's the guy who's been doing it every single week, Mr. Consistent, and Mr. Give me fantasy points every single week without fail. He did get hurt in the championship. That sucks. He did kind of he did kind of um you know get it done for you beforehand. Like it, it wasn't his ceiling, but at least he didn't leave after like two points. Mike Evans, yeah. 17.3 fantasy points per game. The dude was a baller every single week. Top 10 wide receiver all year long. Baller. Kind of a surprise. He, I think that's so kind of surprised. what has him there. You hey, know you know, uh, do you, uh, my, Zach, do you remember before the season when we said that, when we, when we talked about Mike Evans and Chris Godwin potentially being last year's DK Metcalf and Tal Lockett? Yeah. Do you remember that? I remember that. That was and, you. That wasn't me. I wasn't a believer. Yeah. I even with Geno Smith. I even found the tweet. Maybe our editors yeah. can find the tweet and then put it up here. But yeah, basically, we I, I, I tweeted that out. I tweeted out a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff is wrong. But, you know, it's one of those things where <laughs> it's kind of a lesson, right? And it, it happened two years in a row where when you have talented, very, very talented wide receivers, you know, it probably makes sense to just bet on them, especially when the price is so low because Mike Evans was drafted in the seventh round. Okay. And, yeah. and, and we'll talk about all the values and he's definitely a candidate for the best value for sure. And I think he probably fits the bill for the best value more so than the fantasy MVP. And then you have but Brock he's Purdy. He's a candidate. Brock Purdy, 19.2 fantasy points per game. Kyron Williams, Absolutely killed it. You know, he did miss a chunk of, ch- chunk of games, but he was literally second in the NFL in 100-yard games behind Christian McCaffrey, and he still missed four games. Okay, and he didn't even have the full role like that first week or two, right? Yeah, um, you look at Kyron Williams, yeah. just one thing on him. You know, you talk about the points per game, but total points, he was the RB5, I think, on the season, and he missed those games, four games. So Crazy. It's like, come on. <laughs> like That's just ridiculous. No one saw that Absolutely. coming either. All right. Drum roll, please. Zach, who is your fantasy MVP? All right. Should we do an actual drum roll? I could tap on my desk. Like, can you? I don't know if you can hear that, but it's there. I can. I can't hear it. <laughs> good, good, good. There it is. Anyway, my, my, my fantasy MVP, the easy answer is Christian McCaffrey. You know, we all knew that he would be as long as he stayed healthy. He beat the injury prone allegations last year, which made no sense, by the way, when he was with the Panthers. Leads the league in touchdowns this year. Is anyone surprised? Not at all. So in the interest of making this award actually interesting and not just defaulting to CMC, because it would be easy to just say CMC, like you can't say that he isn't. I'm just going to pick somebody else. You know, I, I think I I'm going to choose who it's going to be. Yeah, I wonder who it's going to be. be. Who hmm. is it going to be? Now, listen, there's a reason that I'm picking this player, and it's not because I'm a Cowboys fan, but I'm going with C.D. Lamb. You know, there's an argument for Tyreek Hill. You know, on a per game basis, you know, Tyree Hill outscored CD Lamb by seven tenths of a point per game, you know, but Lamb was available for all of his games this year and he fell in the single digits just once all season. Nine points against San Francisco earlier in the season when he was in a slump. He was dragging his feet to open the year. Yeah. 
but so was the entire Cowboys offense, right? And he finally showed some signs of life in week six against the Chargers before the bye. And boy, I just remember sitting there. We were like, is this a prime selling window for CD Lamb? Hopefully you did not. And we did talk about him as a sell on this podcast, which feels bad. But if yeah, you had CD Lamb. I, and that is that is my worst call of all time. Absolutely. <laughs> like, all time, you it think? It makes me feel, hell yeah. This is the worst call of all time. Not just by <laughs> me. Just by anybody. Like, this was that was yeah it was all time all time it was the and general not, consensus the all-time worst fantasy advice in the world of yeah. all time nothing Go ahead. could have prepared you for what came <laughs> after the bye week you know what i'm saying like you were sitting there if you held on to him like you were just vindicated you know what i'm saying you you have your oh, guy yeah. but i think it's the consistency and the elite level of production that you got from lamb plus the timing of his breakout like the timing really changes things for me too in my opinion you know that makes him the mvp if you had him early in the year there's a good chance you were just kind of muddling through the fantasy season up until week eight and then after that he didn't let you down at all not once he had at least 16 ppr points in every game from week eight on that's 10 games he led the nfl in receiving yards by 300 in that span he had the highest target share of any receiver in that span at 32.7%. Led the league in receptions by 25 over the next guy. In scrimmage touchdowns with 11. And in fantasy points per game by a whole touchdown. And then also in total fantasy points scored in that span. All receivers by 100 fantasy points. That's 100 fantasy points. He had 100 more fantasy points than any other receiver in, from week 8 on. That's just ridiculous. There's a good chance if you had him that you just straight up didn't lose down the stretch. Or at least not by any fault of his. I had him in my dynasty league from week eight on. I went undefeated. Like that is MVP type of performance. You know, then you look at his playoff matchups. Did he come through when it really mattered? Yep. Again, he led all the players in fantasy points per game from weeks 15 to 17. Three straight top 10 performances, never less than 18, 40 points in your championship. That's a definition of most valuable fantasy player. And it's not just because I'm a Cowboys fan. They say better late than never. But for Lamb, becoming the league's best fantasy receiver in 2023, it was hardly late at all. And it just changed the traje trajectory of any team that had him on a dime. It was just, he was the MVP down the stretch. And like I said, that timing, the fact that it came at week eight, it's not about how you start, it's how you finish. He carried you into the championship, I'm sure, um, way more often than not. If you had C.D. Lamb, you were definitely in contention. He, so it, it, it is between him and CMC for me, but I actually do also give the edge to C.D. Lamb. Why? Because of the performance, the cherry on top that, he he gave you in week 17 in cha in the championship week 40 points in championship week to just top it all off to win you your championship to me that's why he's the fantasy mvp yeah. okay so oh, i'm i love it i'm I'm, I'm, a, I, I'm with you um it's 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 just really sad for me to be honest with you um <laughs> best value okay here are the candidates for best value pick Okay, these are guys who were drafted. Okay, so like guys like Puka Nakua, uh, you know, wouldn't be here, right? Guys like Kyron Williams who weren't drafted. I I'm using the 15th round in 12 team leagues as like the the standard. Okay, Rashad White, okay, was drafted in the sixth and seventh rounds. Mike Evans was drafted in the seventh round. Michael Pittman drafted in the seventh round. Raheem Mostert drafted in the eleventh round. And then Brock Purdy and Jordan Love were drafted in the 14th and 15th rounds. 15th rounds, you know, both of those guys were available on waivers in a lot of leagues early on as well. But since their ADPs fall in the 15th round or before or prior, I will include them in this discussion. Zach, who's your pick? My pick, 
there's an argument for Brock Purdy and Jordan Love because technically they scored the most points of any of these guys. They both had over 300 total points on the season, but they're quarterbacks. You know, quarterbacks are kind of replaceable. I'm going with Raheem Mostert. You know, you can make an argument with Jordan Love or Brock Purdy, but they were drafted the way back. We see late round quarterbacks pop up all the time as top 10 guys, a lot more often at least than we see back end running backs pop up as top 10 guys. And Raheem Mostert was top three. You know, he wasn't even a thought as a potential running back one coming into the season. You know, the Dolphins had Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. You know, it was a three-man backfield and this, that, the other. You know, nobody saw this huge season coming. And that's what makes him the best value of the season. You know, there was a path for Purdy to be a top fantasy quarterback. Just look at his weapons. You know, Rashad White, we talked about him. He was obviously a value, but Raheem Mostert still outscored him. And White was going a few rounds earlier in drafts in the dead zone. That's what I'm saying. You know, Mostert was he wasn't even a dead zone running back. <laughs> this guy just had the bag of drafts. It was a dart throw. You know, you weren't you weren't thinking you were getting a whole lot when you drafted Raheem Mostert. You drafted him probably as depth as your RB3. And then to have that running back ascend to RB1 status, that changes the whole complexion of your roster and your whole season. You know, the fact that he's a running back makes him all the more valuable. High end RB1s don't grow on trees. We know that. But quarterbacks, very replaceable. Wide receivers, too. You know, outside of the top guys, you can replace them pretty easily because there's just so many of them. But running backs, you could have drafted CMC. And then also grabbed Raheem Mostert with a flyer later on. And then suddenly you end up with two of the top three running backs and total points. So you're not getting that type of game-changing value from any other player. I'm going with Raheem Mostert here because he just absolutely dominated from pretty much day one. He didn't have a whole lot of bad games. Get him in the 11th round. I like the value there. That's huge, huge value. Yeah, you know, it's it's really close between me, between uh, Rashad White, Raheem Mostert, and Mike Evans. Like, all, you know, all those guys, like, are really good. Mike Evans, the thing with him is that he was consistent from the get, right? Like, he started, like, as soon as the season began, like, he was just getting it done for you every single week, right? And he didn't really have any days off. Like, if you look at his game log, he literally got it done from week, all the way from week one, starting week one, 18.6 fantasy points. He started the season, you know, six catches, six catches, five catches, one touchdown in each of those games, 171 yard game uh, mixed in there. Um, and then, you know, he just he didn't really have a bad game all season long. So, um, you know, I'm looking at Mike Evans as, you know, one of those guys. But, you know, I think I have to default to Raheem Mostert as well, just because of the ceiling that he showed. You know, if I had to really. Um, you know, kind of narrow it down. I, 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 it would be between Raheem Mostert and Rashad White for me. Like, it's like what it's like, pick your, you know, what would you rather have? Rashad White, it was, he was the definition of consistency, right? He was, he was the um, second most consistent running back behind Christian McCaffrey. Okay. It was Christian McCaffrey, number one, Raheem Mostert, number two, uh, inconsistency. Um, and Raheem Mostert, the difference between him and Rashad White was that. He had those boom weeks, right? He had four top five finishes compared to Rashad White's only, you know, one top five finish this year. So I'm going to have to give the nod to Mostert as well. But I think Rashad White um, is is very, very close. Yeah, Rashad White's close. You don't want to take away from him. But they're two different running backs in terms of if you want to put them. And obviously you can't say they're archetypes because these don't. I don't expect this to hold up season to season. But for this season, you look at the type of running backs they were. Raheem Mostert was winning you weeks 100% with some of his performance because he had those top five finishes. Rashad White was, I don't want to say he was just keeping you from winning. It's not like he was a bad running back or anything, but he also had a little bit of a slow start to start the season. And he also had some games where, yes, he was consistent, but he was putting up like 13, 15 fantasy points, which isn't bad. You know, you look at that in the game log, it looks good. But then you have it in your game during the week. It's like, well, 
Rashad White could have had more points. You know, it would be nice to have that type of production. That upside wasn't always there with Rashad White. So I think that's the difference. But Rashad White still, I think he fits the category of another award we're giving out later on. Um, most improved. We'll talk about that soon enough. But I, I, I'm going to go with Raheem Mostert here. I'm sticking with that one. There's a lot of good waiver wire pickups this week. Who is the best waiver wire pickup for 2023? It's between Puka Nakua, Kyron Williams, CJ Stroud, Sam Howell, Tank Dell, Sam Laporta, and Trey McBride. Okay. Now, a few of these guys weren't available all year long, right? The guys who were available all year long, Puka Nakua, Kyron Williams, Sam Howell, until until when it mattered, right? Well, so yeah, of course. I'm, I might have to I might have to eliminate Sam Howell, but I, I want to give Sam Howell his fantasy flowers because he was getting it done all year long up until the fantasy playoffs, right? He was a top what seven eight quarterback, you know, in that span. Yeah. You know what? Let's no, let, let's actually let's actually take at a look that. at exactly where he was at. <laughs> Stat that. Oh, I don't know why I say that every single time we go to dig up a stat, but I know that it was like on a commercial or something. It's not that. <laughs> it's just what so I say. He, yeah. So uh, it was until the bye week, basically. His bye week was in week 14. So I'm going to look at the quarterbacks from week. Whoops. I'm going to look at the quarterbacks from week one to week 13. Average PPR. He was definitely average, top well, eight. PPR was one, two, three, four, five, six. He was a QB seven during that span. Yeah. Okay. So he got it done. Okay, so let's give Sam Howell's flowers. Now, Tank Dell would have probably, you know, been way, way, way up there, right? But number one, he missed he missed one week in the beginning of the season. And then yep. he got hurt and couldn't contribute to the rest of your fantasy season. So unfortunately, I think injury might have derailed him from getting this award. Okay. Yeah. But Tank Dell, if you see my dynasty rankings, Tank Dell's a top 20 wide receiver. In Dynasty for me, okay. Very nice. He's, uh, I'm in agreement. He's uh, he is uh, he's a baller. Okay, so take yeah. a look at those uh, those Dynasty rankings full, fully updated th- earlier this week. UpperHandFantasy.com. Okay, Sam Laporta, you know he, he's he's up there, man. Like, listen, he it took a little it took a little while for him to 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 come on, but uh, he ended up doing his thing and ended up you know being a very very good tight end for you. Same thing with Trey McBride, um, but you know again. It, it it took, you know, an injury for Trey McBride to end up getting the opportunity. So it was later yeah. in the year. So, you know, it, it's it ha- in my opinion. And then CJ Stroud, similar thing where like he missed some games, some key games for you, right early on in the year. You weren't starting him. So it's one of those things. Like if you drafted Puka, if you picked up Puka, you picked up Kyron Williams, you were probably starting them as soon as you picked them up, right? Yeah. 100%. And, and I think because of that, it's probably between those two guys, right? It's the only answer. Like I, I love all the other guys. Like technically, I know there are people who picked up CJ Stroud. He was a difference maker for them. I know people who picked up Sam Howell, and he made a big difference. Uh, he was a difference maker for them. But you can't say it's not one of these two Rams rookies. And and it's funny because they're both fifth round rookies, and it's just a hilarious well, way Kyron, to find out. Well, remember, Kyron's not a rookie. It, it, he oh, seems not, like not a rookie. rookie. Fifth round. Sorry. He's, excuse me. That's yeah, he seems like a rookie because, you know, he hardly played in year yeah, one, right? Yeah. So it's it's like he's a, you know, maybe maybe he might be some other awards here. 
that yeah. he could be he could be available rookie running too. back. So is, so is Puka, <laughs> rookie running back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we're going with. I don't know, but we kind of foreshadowed this one a little bit on the episode earlier in the week. But I'm yeah. gonna go with Puka Nakua here. You know, Kyron Williams is a yeah. close second, and like I just talked about with Raheem Mostert, you know, running backs they're just inherently more valuable than receivers because there's a lot fewer of them than receivers. But in this case. That grace that I usually afford a running back like Kyron Williams, that's wiped out because he missed four games in the middle of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's out of his control. But Puka was not only available for every game this year, but he averaged 18 points per game on his own in them too. And that's with Cooper Cup on the offense. And that was with Kyron Williams doing his thing too. You know, Puka's fourth in the NFL in receiving yards. He had nine top 12 finishes, scored in the double digits in all but four of his games. When you talk about the best waiver wire pickups, you know, I look at it a lot as like adding points to your team that you weren't necessarily supposed to have. You know, that's what it felt like starting Puka in the first five weeks of the season. It was like getting a head start on your opponent. You know, he had 10 or more targets in four of those five games. Ironically, his two games with 10 or more receptions were the first two weeks of the season. That was when he really put himself on the map. And he had 20 or more PPR points in four of those first five games. You know, Kyron Williams, he's ridiculous. I'll acknowledge that. You know, just the usage that he's getting and the production that he had on top of it, the touchdowns, just fantastic. But there was a big chunk out of the middle of the season with him. It ended up being five games missed technically, quote-unquote, because he was out anyway for the Rams by in Week 10. But Puka was in your lineup every single week this year, even though you didn't know who he was a week before the season started. You know, I guess... I guess I should say you didn't know who he was if you didn't listen to this podcast. But the point remains, you know, he wasn't on anyone's radar. And now he's going to be a surefire top pick next year. So he's the best waiver wire pickup by far for me. Puka Nakua. 100% man. And, you know, you, you look at you look at his stats. He had 10 top 24 weeks, okay, which is only one, two, three, four, five, six other players had that or more. Six other wide receivers, I should say. He had four top five finishes at the wide receiver position. Uh, only CeeDee Lamb, Tyreek Hill had more. Than him, and only DJ Moore and Nico Collins had the same amount as him. Okay, so he was a baller, and you—the fact that you can pick up uh, this type of wide receiver one, fantasy wide receiver one, uh, on the waiver wire, and him be available all year long—you got to give it to him. So congratulations, Puka Nakua, you are our best waiver wire pickup of the year. And it's crazy because he went from zero to a hundred. It took him no time in the Rams offense to just get going. That, that That's the one thing that's really surprising. Mm-hmm. That's what makes him feel like such a slam dunk waiver wire pick because he started the season hot and he never got off the gas. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he just kept going. <laughs> so that, 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 that also plays into it. Just that, you know, thought of, okay, this guy came in and immediately was, you know, contributing to your team. And it didn't change once Cooper Cup came back. It, it, it came down a little bit, but it wasn't drastic at all. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. By the way, like I, I didn't include Nico Collins in the, in the best value award. He should have been there. But I have another award, similar, best late round pick. Okay, And I, and I narrowed it down between the, the, the two quarterbacks that I mentioned earlier. Brock Purdy and Jordan Love. I, I I brought in Sam Laporta as well, and then Nico Collins is the other one. And the mm. answer is clear for me personally. And, and I know that Sam Laporta got it done, but like I, I got to go with Nico Collins, man. Like Nico Collins, when he was out there, he was in your lineup every single week. He got it done for you. He had big boom weeks. Sam Laporta did too, but I think Nico Collins every single week he was available. You kind of knew what you were going to get from him, even in games with Tank Dell. The fact that he ended up missing those two games with the calf injury, the fact that he only missed one each of those times, like it means a lot, right? Like he he didn't let that linger, which means that you know he really was looking out for us. So we appreciate yeah. you, Nico, and uh, you have a yeah. soft spot in my heart because you were on every single one of my fantasy fo- football teams this year. Yeah, and he was on every single one of your like late round flyer lists, you know all that stuff. Like go get yeah. Nico Collins. I remember because you were on that earlier. The thing is. It kind of felt like to go back to what you're talking about, missing only one game of the calf injury. It kind of felt like two weeks that second time where he went down really early in the game against the Jets. Right. And then he missed the next week against the Titans. So that was a little disappointing. This is especially right at the start of fantasy playoffs. I'm not taking away from what Nico Collins did. He had a fantastic season. I think he could have had an even better season if CJ Stroud stayed healthy and, you know, he was able to play a full season. But for me, I'm going to use that as an excuse to not pick him. <laughs> I'm going to go with Jordan Love. And I'm rolling with Jordan Love here over Brock Purdy and over guys like Nico Collins because Jordan Love did exactly what every fantasy, fantasy manager hoped he would do when they took flyers on him late in drafts. You know, with Brock Purdy, we knew there was a baseline to be had because the offense he was on. Just look at the weapons. There wasn't a rush. You didn't get like this rush of intrigue when you took Brock Purdy in your drafts this past summer. And that's perfectly fine. You know, that doesn't have to be the case when you draft your second quarterback in the 14th round because because there wasn't that intrigue with Purdy, you know, he didn't feel like a flyer in a traditional sense of the term. But with Jordan Love, there was an acknowledgement that, yeah, ooh, there's some upside here. You know, we don't know what Jordan Love is. There's a little bit of mystery. I think that adds to like the fancy draft experience just a little bit. You know, you you know you're taking a flyer and you know there's a chance for some upside here. There's also a floor too. You know, we didn't see anything close to a large enough sample size to determine Jordan Love's value, but it makes sense that when you're taking a flyer, he could appreciate into something much more valuable than other players coming off the board in his range that you get that rush. And he did that. You know, he finished outside the top 16 in just three weeks this year, scored 20 or more points in over half of his games. He really came on down the stretch too. From week seven to 17, Love had two or more total touchdowns in eight of his 11 games. The difference that makes Love the pick for me is that people weren't really surprised to see Purdy perform as well as he did. But with Love, there was an element of surprise with how productive he was. So I'm going with that. He was a top five quarterback in total points at the end of the season. You got him that late in the draft. It feels weird because we weren't expecting this, I don't think. 
But I, I'm just going to play off of that 100%. I think that was a pleasant surprise that makes him, in my mind, the best late-round pick. And Nico Collins was, too. But Jordan Love played every game. And again, I'm going to fall back on that argument. You know, Nico Collins. I, 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 like, the, um, I like the surprise factor. I, I like That's that. That's what it as was. Being, being, it, yeah, I, I like that. That okay. was a deciding factor because it was just nice to see, you know, one of these players work out because we knew that upside was there and then it actually came through. Now, one of the categories that we have is best rookie wide receiver. And I think we can say right now that it's Puka Nakua, right? But easy answer. I, I did, yep. did want to mention the other guys, right? Tank Dell, already talked about him. Jackson Smith and the Jigba, you know, had a solid season, right? Like, you know, he didn't have, you know, he, he didn't blow you out of the water. He did have two other very good wide receivers that he was playing against. You know, you might have been hoping for a little bit, you know, of a better year. But 60 catches, 614 yards, two touch, uh, four touchdowns through 16 games. Not bad. Not bad, right? I'll take it. He, he, didn't, <laughs> he didn't have a 1,000-yard season, okay? And, and this is not necessarily, you know, him me saying that, oh, he deserves to be a fantasy MV, uh, you, know, you know, the best rookie wide receiver for fantasy, not even close, right? There are other wide receivers that, you know, are much more deserving. But, you know, I think that, you know, we're so hasty to determine like whether these guys are good in the NFL or not. I think I still think that Jason is going to be a very, very good wide receiver, um, you know, at some point. Okay. So don't, yeah. don't get too hasty with him. Don't like think that his value has dropped tremendously um, after taking him in your, in your, you know, maybe at the one one or one or two in your rookie drafts like last year, I, I, I wouldn't be too worried about it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have Zay flowers here, Jordan Addison, Rashi Rice, Jaden Reed, uh, and then guys like Josh Downs and Demario Douglas. Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna get into a, a dynasty buy and sell episode uh, at some point in a couple weeks. Now, I can tell you right now that Demario Douglas is going to be on there. Um, Josh Downs will likely be on there as well um, as two guys you could buy for cheap in dynasty, especially Demario Douglas. Um, but these other guys here. You know, Jordan Addison obviously started the year really, really hot, you know, with Kirk Cousins. Uh, he ended up, you know, doing his thing. Uh, Zay Flowers, right? You know, he ended up, you know, having a monster end to his season, uh, which was really, really awesome to see. Um, you know, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, uh, he ended the season uh, top 15 in four of five in his last four or five games, if I'm not mistaken. Let me, let me double check that one. I'm yeah. pretty sure. He absolutely just killed it uh, at the end of the year. Only one bad game. Let's see. Zay Flowers uh, finished as a top 13 or higher wide receiver in his four of his last five games. Killed it. I wish it was like a clean cut number, like if it was just wide receiver 12. You know what I'm saying? Because that would make him a wide receiver one in four out of the last five games. Of course, that's be like the wide receiver 13. When you're trying to put together these arguments, it's just like, I wish it would be easier you just say wide receiver one <laughs> of course you have to have wide receiver 13 like why wide receiver 13 because that's what it was <laughs> he was good like <laughs> that's 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 the answer um yeah but zay flowers had a great end of the season but I, I think jordan addison probably could have been the best fantasy wide receiver if he was able if kirk cousins was able to stay healthy you know what i'm saying and obviously justin jefferson missed some time so that changed things but jordan addison had seven touchdowns for the first eight weeks and that was second in the league behind tyree kill like he could have had an absolutely nuclear season. So he was one of those guys. I remember, was he was he one of your guys? I, I remember. No, he, 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 he was our, one of our your guys. Post. 
He was? Yeah. I, I know that we were both on him, but I remember we both talked about him as like, you know, this is a guy that really has a chance to come through this season. You know, the offense that he's on the scheme, if Kirk Cousins stayed healthy, Jordan Addison probably would have had like 13 touchdowns. Like, I don't oh, are, you talking, are, you, are you talking about Jordan Addison or Zay Flowers right now? Jordan Addison. Oh, I'm sorry. So Jordan said, Addison was my guy. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan yeah. my guy. Zay Flowers was your guy. Yeah. And Zay Flowers had a good end of the season. But Jordan Addison, if Kirk Cousins stayed healthy, Kirk Cousins himself, too, also would have had a ridiculous season. But Zay, oh, yeah. uh, not Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, he could have had a very, very good fantasy season. Like I said, I would have said like a thousand yards, 13 touchdowns. Obviously, it's easy to just extrapolate and say that's what it would have been. But if Kirk Cousins played, I think he would have definitely been challenging Puka Nakua because Puka was great. He only had five touchdowns, I think it was. Was that what it was? Five total? I'm not sure what it was, the number. But we know Jordan Addison was very good. And Tank Dell, like we mentioned. I don't know why the Texans decided to use him uh, as a lead blocker in the middle of a pile at the goal line. That's when he got injured, screwed up his season. Let's not do that in the future. Let's just take notes. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, Puka only scored five touchdowns in the season. Jordan Addison, he ended up scoring uh, four, five, six, seven touchdowns in the first eight games of the season. Okay, it didn't end up and then yeah. scored two in week fifteen. So almost almost a double digit touchdown season in his rookie year. Um, very very good mm-hmm. year for Jordan Addison. All these guys, you know, very very promising um, years ahead. You know, for all these guys. Um, and, and we'll we'll get to a lot of these rookie wide receivers and what to expect for them moving forward. We're going to be talking more about that in our dynasty episodes coming up. Um, what about rookie tight end? Sam Laporta, Dalton Kincaid, Luke Musgrave, Michael Mayer. I think the answer is pretty clear that it's Sam Laporta. You think so? Trey McBride came on at the end of the season. Like, I, I, he's not a rookie. My bad. Sam Laporta. <laughs> I'm Trey McBride because we didn't again, see Trey McBride again. at all last season. It took an injury. Exactly. That's what it was. Exactly. That's why I'm exactly. getting mixed up. That's my fault. Yeah, I, don't worry. I didn't pick him. I didn't pick him. He wasn't my pick, but I did have him in my consideration for some reason. Whatever reason, you know, it's fine. But Sam Laporta, yeah, there, he's well. Easy. Listen, it's not just you because I initially also had him in this list as a rookie, <laughs> and I had to remove him. From yeah. these notes, so if you, yeah. you you might have seen that in the notes earlier, That's, that might have been it. There. It was just like you know the double justification. It's like, oh yeah, no, this is right. He is a rookie. That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> you look at the rest of this list. Like Don Kincaid had his weeks. Luke Musgrave, uh, he was injured a lot. Michael Mayer, he looked like he was going to be something, and then just kind of fizzled out because the Raiders' offense was the Raiders' offense. It, it, it's definitely going to be Sam Laporta. Like, there's no question who it is. I don't think there's a whole lot of explanation there. We talked about no. Sam Laporta a lot. He had those boom weeks at the end. That was great. And he's going to continue to be right in that conversation. He could be. Is he, he dynasty tight end one? I, think I don't so. know. I think he uh, has it, to be. I think it's, I think it's, you know, I think it's him. I think it's Mark Andrews. And I think it's Trey McBride as the top three right now. That's how you I'm think it would be. Now. Do you think Hawkinson would be in there if he didn't get that ACL injury? Like, yes. Does that change it? I think he would be because now I'm not yeah. sure. He's right on the Hawk, border. Hawk, that I age. think Hawkinson, Hawkinson would be probably one or two for me i would say yeah uh if you know and also it's like you know we have to we kind of want to know who the quarterback is but you know even with the quarterback change that we saw in minnesota he still kept he just get kept getting it done yeah it didn't matter right so uh, i think in this scheme he's going to get it done regardless but the injury kind of messed him up a little bit Mm -hmm. um but yeah sam laporta okay best rookie quarterback i think there's no question here that it's CJ Stroud. Um, yeah. But 
you know, I, I do want to acknowledge Anthony Richardson in the very, very limited sample size that he had this year. Um, he looked like he belonged, man. And I think one of the biggest question marks about Anthony Richardson was if he's going to be able to pass the ball successfully, right, in the NFL. That was right. the biggest question that I had. His athleticism, uh, his ability to rush to football, there was no questions around that. But the questions right. that I had around whether he'd be successful passing the ball, he answered those questions for me in the, in the limited sample size. And then on top of that, you add the scheme that he's playing in, like Gardner Minshew's having some success with here. Um, and But we also we already knew that this scheme was going to be good for any quarterback, right? Because we have we know that they have a very, very good play caller in Shane Steichen. So mm-hmm. for me personally, Anthony Richardson is going to have a monster career. Let's hope that he can continue. You know, hope, hopefully he can stay healthy. Um, but, you know, he has already shown massive, massive upside. Week one, 22 fantasy points. Week two, almost 18 fantasy points. He missed week three. Week four, almost 30 fantasy points. And then he got, he got hurt in week five. That shoulder injury ended up derailing his entire season. Yeah, that pisses me off because yeah. he would definitely, I think he would definitely be the best rookie quarterback in terms of fantasy. I can't say the same of like, is he going to have the success CJ Stroud had? Is, would they have the same success? I'm not sure, you know, in terms of just NFL winning games, whatever. But when I look at his game log, and it sucks because it's so short, but you look at the production and what does the production that he had remind you of? Does it remind you of any other player that we've seen already get it done in fantasy football? Like, uh, does can't, it look can't like Newton? No, does it look like Jalen Hurts at all? Especially like, early. Oh, Jalen Hurts. I could Does see it look it. like Jalen Hurts at all, especially early rushing touchdowns in every game he started and played all the way through. <laughs> he had four rushing touchdowns in three game, three full games. Like, come on. And then they add the compliment of the passing attack with Shane Steichen. Like, and who was Shane Steichen's quarterback? Who was Jalen Hurts' offensive coordinator? It's like there's levels here and they're all connecting. If Anthony Richardson can stay healthy, he's definitely going to be a top five quarterback. I'm gonna make that call. Hopefully he can stay healthy. But if he's if he's healthy, I think he's top five next season because he's he showed us already he's ridiculous. And the Colts offense is not bad. They have plenty of weapons. You know, Josh Downs is there. Michael Pittman is there. They still have Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. Like, this is a good team. So I like Anthony Richardson. That's a good call. The answer, though, for best rookie quarterback, just by default, has to be C.J. Stroud because there wasn't anybody else. And I don't want to not mention Bryce Young <laughs> because you can't, and analyze he's not going to be best rookie quarterback at all but i i think you also can't just like cast him aside because the offense he was in was terrible the coaching was not good you know a whole panthers organization is having trouble i'm giving him a full mulligan this year i'm pretty much going to treat him again like a rookie next year like i've been doing with trey mcbride but at this point but i don't know what you think on bryce young do you think he's still he still has a chance like i think the jury's still out right you have to give him a second <laughs> shot here the jury's definitely still out, but I'm not giving him a full mulligan, though. I think he is, he showed a lot of bad signs, and that's missing open wide receivers in clean pockets. That's my biggest issue with him. Um, leaving the pocket early when he doesn't have to. Um, there are a lot of issues, I think, right now that he has to clean up. There are definitely issues with the offense, no doubt about it. The play calling, the play design. Really, really bad. The weapons, the lack of weapons, uh, unbelievable, right? Like, so I think there is, uh, you know, an equal amount, an equal <laughs> amount of um, blame for the GM, for the coaching, for the play calling, all that. So, yes, I think the jury's still out of Bryce Young for sure. Um, he is not a bust yet. 
or anything like that. Okay, but I do want to get back to CJ Stroud for a sec. The most fantasy points per game, uh, PPR rookies. Okay, Deshaun Watson was number one. Cam Newton was number two. Justin Herbert was next up, followed by RG three, and then CJ Stroud. Blast from the Some bad good company RG3. there. But that is good company, one hundred percent. I mean, RG 3s rookie season was just like so fun to watch. You know, yeah. it was just like yeah, unless you're a Cowboys fan. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah, destroyed you know, him us and, on Thanksgiving. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, man, him and uh, Alfred Mars. Him yeah. and Alfred Mars just that was looking like monsters. the next big one too. Oh my god! What oh, yeah. a what a time to be alive. <laughs> okay, I have another category here called most underrated difference maker. Okay, these are guys that got it done for you in a big way. But, you know, a lot of start-sick questions around them, you know, or, you know, not getting the the praise that they deserve. You know, the guys that I have in this category, and, you know, I put these names in myself, is DJ Moore, Michael Pittman, James Conner, and David Njoku. And I think, you know, later on in the season, I think David Njoku definitely got his props because, you know, national game, he got it done, um, yeah. you know, against Joe the Jets. <laughs> Joe Flacco, a lot of lot of talk about that. So I think he got his flowers, you know, for the most part towards the end of the season. Um, I think James Conner, you know, definitely did not. Okay, because when you look at what he's done, uh, you know, in the last, in in his last, I think it was four games, if I'm not mistaken, he got it done for you. And on an offense that had literally no weapons, no answers, not a good offense, he was the RB five in week thirteen. The RB11 in week 15, the RB4 in week 16, and then the RB4 again in week 17, okay? And, like, he was not getting it done at all before that, right? Like, early on in the year, no. he had some good games, and then he got hurt, um, and then he just wasn't the same guy. But when it mattered, this is the second year in a row, or maybe the third year in a row, where James Conner is just having these crazy fantasy finishes, and you just love to see it. Actually, I can pull up 2022 real quick. Yep. So, ready? Yeah, he did it. Week, <laughs> I'm looking at week it. 10, week 10, RB2, week 11, week. This is last year, week 11, RB14. And then going on until week 17, RB4, RB6, RB12, RB4. Uh, and then in week 17, RB, RB15, right? So, he, he has a knack for getting it done, you know, later in the year. Um, you know, in, in 2021, he ended up getting hurt late. But even in you know in the first week of the playoffs, he ended up being the RB eleven and the RB two in twenty twenty one. So you know he he has a knack Crazy. for getting it done in the playoffs. And uh, James Conner, if you had him in your lineup, he definitely helped you win. So is James Conner officially Mister December at running back? Like that, that kind of so. has to be his name. That, that's what it yeah. is. It's three years in a row now, and I didn't realize. And look that. at the matchups. Look at the matchups. Forty yeah. ers Eagles. Come on. <laughs> He, the he Eagles is freaking hilarious. And the fact that he had the receiving touchdown against the Eagles, too, is just like the Cardinals had nothing to play for. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They had zero to play for. He's coming through. It's like, oh, this is a game script where they're going to be throwing the ball a whole lot. They'll be playing from behind against the Eagles. And he comes through, and he's the engine. And he carries them straight through and makes it a competitive game script. It's freaking hilarious. I, I, I like James Conner. I think that's a fun call. You know what I'm saying? But if you want to talk about the most underrated difference maker, I've thought about Michael Pittman. I don't think DJ Moore is that underrated. I, I think that 
he's been underrated his whole career, but in terms of fantasy this season, I don't think he's been underrated. We knew what was going on with him and Justin Fields when they were playing together. Very good. I'm going with David Njoku because you think of, and we can make this argument about any Browns player pretty much, any Browns receiver, because there was so much turnover at quarterback for the Browns this season, but independent of quarterback, whoever was throwing the ball, David Njoku just kept getting it done. Now, he started really quiet. <laughs> he didn't have any top 24 finishes in the first four weeks, so that was tough. But after the bye then, he finally puts it together. Listen to some of these targets, the, the number of targets that he's got in games after week seven. 9, 8, 6, 9, 15, 9, 6, 8, 14, 9, 8. Like, target share demon. This guy was just getting a bunch of targets regardless of anything. And then the production followed suit. You know, he didn't have... He had double-digit fantasy points in every game after Week 7 besides in Week 13 against the Rams. And then after Week 13 against the Rams, <laughs> Joe Flacco comes in, and he's an absolute playoff monster. This guy had 27 points, 26 points, 16 points, 17 points, all top six finishes, a couple top two finishes in there. Like, he came through when it mattered. And I don't think anybody really – I mean, obviously he had those four games at the end. And then, like you mentioned, people were giving David Njoku's flowers. But then even before that, this guy was a consistent tight end one every single week. And you probably didn't have him in your lineup if you had other guys like Trey McBride come on or if you had Sam Laporta, you know, that kind of thing. But David Njoku, he's been a tight end one and he's been fantastic this season. I think that he was very underrated up until Joe Flacco came in. And then that really put a magnifying glass on what he's been doing. But with when you look at the way the Browns are playing and what they had to deal with in terms of the quarterback turnover, to have him be that consistent from week seven on, like I think that deserves some flowers here. And it's still underrated that he was able to do that. Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. And you know, it's interesting. I'm looking at these other tight ends here, and I this is like the most random note that I'm about to I'm about to give you right now. Okay. Right. Are you ready? Yeah. Well, this is another tight end here. Did you know that Cole Komet? Okay. Cole Komet. Like yeah. how, if you had to guess how many top 10 finishes Cole Komet has had this year, what would you guess? Oh, okay. So I might know this because I had him in my dynasty league and he was actually a really underrated start. So out of how many games did he play? Was it, was it a full 17? I don't know. He missed. He no, essentially no, he missed, missed last a week. Games. Yeah. So, so I'm right going to go. Um, yeah. How many games did he, he miss? Play? He, he basically missed last week. So he, he, he played every other game. I think he okay. missed one so in week had, seven too. All right, so you have 15 games, we'll say, out of 15 games. I'm going to nope, go with... 16 games, actually. 16, 16 games. games. Okay. Out of mm -hmm. 16 games, I'm going to go with 10. <laughs> you're, you're, you're on the money. No, actually nine. He had nine top 10 finishes. Not something that I would have guessed. No. Not something you that I would have guessed. Because the names around him... Are you ready? I'll, I'll just rank them for you. The guys who finished top 10 the most. Evan Ingram, TJ Hawkinson, Sam Laporta, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle had nine, and so did Cole Komet, followed by David <laughs> Njoku and Dalton Schultz and Dalton Kincaid. Uh, that's surprising to me, man. It really is. So maybe... Yeah. Cole, see, the thing is, Cole Komet wasn't... Like, a whole lot of people weren't starting him in redraft, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and, and you kind of never knew when to start him. That was the problem. It's too much if you were just consistent and started him, if you just started him every week, like you would have gotten the most out of him. But then also with Cole Komet... Top 10 is cool, but you think about top 10 performance from a tight end. How many points is that? It's like 10, 11. Yeah. I don't know if I want to call him a... He was underrated. 
I don't know if I want to call him a difference maker. Like I, David Njoku, no, I agree. A difference, you know. What I'm no, saying? a thousand percent. Yeah, he he's not in the running for this particular category. But I just I was just kind of surprised just while I was looking at. While, oh yeah. While, mm-hmm. while you know while I was looking at the guys we were just talking about, I'm like, wait, what the heck is this? All right. What's anyway. funny with Cole Komet is that he actually played. And I don't want to say he played better, but he actually got a little bit of a production boost as soon as um, Tyson Bajan came in. Right. <laughs> he had seventeen point nine and twenty three point five. In those two games, uh, in two of those games, I remember, and he also had it looks like ten points in the next game. But he actually got a little bit more consistent with Tyson Bajan at quarterback. I thought that was funny because I actually benefited from that when I had him in my dynasty league. There you go. All right, a couple more guys, most improved player, and I'm not sure if you have any more, but I have two guys on my list here. Number one is only one on mine, (laughs) and and Nico Collins is number two. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, Rashad White was not consistent in the run game, was not good in the run game last year. And then he ended up, he still caught 50 balls in year one, but he wasn't efficient there either. But this year, right. man, looked, looking good in the run game, getting volume in the run game, taking over that backfield and ended up getting it done in a huge way. Nico Collins, you know, similar thing, right? Like he didn't have many good games, you know, last year. And he ended up coming through big time. And he ended up finishing as a top 12 wide receiver in points per game. So who you got, Zach? I'm going with Rashad White. And I, <laughs> I'm doing this. We might as well just call this the snub Nico Collins episode because I keep doing that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> keep snubbing your boy. But I'm going with Rashad White here just because last season he wasn't great. And then coming into the season, everyone, the general consensus was this guy's just going to be a volume play. The upside's not going to be there, and he's not going to be consistent. It's going to be very week to week. As if the Buccaneers can be in a positive or a competitive game script, that's what we're going to be looking at. And you also look at the sentiment surrounding the Buccaneers' offense. I think I said it on this podcast that the Bucks might have the worst offense in the NFL, which was obviously a bad call because Baker Mayfield was playing pretty good this season too. Also a candidate for me, if, if you ask me, because Baker Mayfield came through. He was a solid quarterback, but he wasn't top of the line. But you look at Rashad White, the way that he was able to produce. He had... Even though we talk about his consistency, he had a couple boom weeks. He had 27 points against Houston. He had 22 points against Green Bay. He had 22 points against Atlanta, and those two games were back-to-back. In the playoffs, he didn't really let you down besides in Week 17. You know, like, I think that's really good improvement, especially on the offense he's on. If they can get even better, you know, I think there's a chance they could get even better next season if they get that continuity at quarterback. I like Rashad White. I think that he's easily the most improved. Um, Nico Collins is there. But you talk about what we were getting last year from Rashad White, and then compared to what we got this year from Rashad White, it's night and day. Hundred percent, I'm with you on that one. I like Rashad White as well, and we're going to go over his efficiency numbers as well. We're going to be putting a post out on that very soon on Instagram, so stay tuned for that. Best comeback player of the year: Dak Prescott, Baker Mayfield, Joe Flacco, and Brees Hall. The reason why Brees Hall is on here because he tore his ACL last year. Relatively early in the year, he ended up coming back, uh, putting on a pretty good season. Not really consistent, but he ended up coming through big time in the playoffs. Joe Flacco, you know, we talked about it. Like, he ended up coming, rising from the dead, you know. Yeah. Unfortunately, didn't have a full <laughs> season. So, it's it's hard to really put him there. Uh, Dak Prescott didn't have the best of years last year, uh, but ended up, you know, coming in and, you know, being in the MVP running. But Baker Mayfield, man, rising from the dead also, you know, kind of like carrying this team, you know, on his shoulders, 
you know, making Mike Mike uh, Evans extremely fantasy relevant as well. Wide receiver one. Okay. Yep. Uh, for me personally, I think I'm going Baker, dude. I th- I think I agree, and I I don't want to. I'm just going to touch on Dak Prescott here. I don't want to put him in the comeback think, player category because I think he was fine oh, yeah. last year. He had he had the interceptions, but he also threw the most touchdowns of any quarterback once he got back from that injury earlier in the season, <laughs> and that was the case. You know, and well, he, the thing for me though with Dak is that I think he finished as like the QB what like 17 or 18 uh, for fantasy last year, and just like. Are you talking total points or are you talking great. points per game? Points per game. Yeah. I I don't think it was that bad. Like maybe maybe um maybe I just have my Cowboys blinders on. You know what I'm saying? It could be. But like I said, he was scoring touchdowns last year. It's not like he wasn't scoring and he wasn't producing. Like let me I'm I'm just gonna pull up his game log since we're talking about him. Let's see. He was That's the, the uh I'm sorry, he was the QB thirteen in fantasy points per game. So not not as bad. Yeah. As I thought, maybe I was looking at cumulative points. It, it might have been cumulative points, but this is what I'm talking about. Like week eight against Chicago, he comes back 26 points. The week after that, 21, 20. You know, he had a couple 20 point performances. He had a bunch of top 10 performances. Yeah. Like, I don't want to put him in that conversation as comeback because he still had a solid season last season. And he's playing better this season, don't get me wrong, but not really comeback material. Baker Mayfield is comeback material. I really want to give this one to Joe Flacco, <laughs> but since I've been using the whole, oh, well, you missed some games, so we can't give you that award argument for a couple other guys this season, I'm not going to give it to Joe Flacco, but Joe Flacco 100% is deserving of it, but it has to be Baker Mayfield. I, I think that you look at where he was coming in the season, he wasn't even a thought as anything in fantasy football. Nobody was drafting him. He was on the waiver wire. You know, They're pretty much just leaving him out for dead, and he was one of the most consistent quarterbacks, and I put him right in that light with a guy like Jordan Love, you know, obviously the ceiling wasn't always there 100%, but that floor pretty much every week was there. And you knew that you were going to get something out of him. He had that connection with Mike Evans. And then, like you also mentioned, he made Mike Evans relevant. Like, I think that value that he gave uh, the Buccaneers offense in general is worth putting him there as the biggest uh, comeback player because not only to make himself relevant, he made other players relevant. Yeah, man. And this is going to be his first 4,000 yard season of his career. Uh, he already passed his, his highest touchdown mark. He, he, he went 26 and eight, 26 touchdowns and eight interceptions in 2020 with Cleveland. Uh, and he's at 28 touchdowns and 10 interceptions this year with, with he's going to go over 4,000 yards, you know, in this game this week. So he could, he could go lead 4, this team. yards and 30 touchdowns. <laughs> that's, that's, that's exactly pretty good. Pretty good, man. Pretty good. And you know, he can lead his team into the playoffs as well. So, Baker Mayfield's my my pick as well. Baker Mayfield's gonna, you know, it's very interesting, man. I think they could, I, and I think they should bring him back next year. He should be he should be their starter, right? Like yeah. I I don't know if there's any, any other options that they have right now, because um, they're yeah. gonna be kind of in the middle. Go back to purgatory with quarterbacks? No, <laughs> you can't. Okay, we got the biggest breakout this year: Jordan Love, Sam Howell, Kyron Williams. And Rashad White. I think this is a tough category right here. Okay. Now I don't think it's that tough. I, 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 <laughs> you don't think so? No, I have not Sam seen. Howell. Sam Howell, I think I have to eliminate him first. Yeah. Because uh he, he didn't come through towards the end. And he did great for fantasy, but he made you nervous as hell whenever he did it. Because he, he was mm-hmm. doing a lot of it in garbage time. Um yeah. you know, not sure how much of a um 
difference he made for a lot of teams, especially towards the end of the year. Jordan Love, Kyron Williams, Rashad White. It's really, really hard not to go Kyron Williams, right? Yeah, it's really it, hard not to. <laughs> it's really hard to not go Kyron Williams. That's who I'm picking. I'm going with Kyron Williams. The thing for me about, you know, you talk about Sam Howell being here. I think he deserves to be here. But when you talk about breakout, at least when I hear breakout, it means establishing yourself now and then also having a bright future ahead of you. We don't know what the future is with Sam Howell. Like a breakout, it, we're not going to have a breakout. If a guy has one good game in, in season and then the rest of his games, you know, if we can see obvious holes as to why that game happened and it's not going to happen again. Like, that's not a breakout. That's just a solid game. Cool. Sam Howell is the same way. We don't really know what his future is. You know, there was he was he wasn't even supposed to start last week. It was going to be Jacoby Brissett. I'm not going to call that a breakout. But Kyron Williams, that is the definition of a breakout. Literally, just out of nowhere, left field comes out. Is the RB? He was an RB two in fantasy points per game. You know, yes. this season, and he missed those four games to come out and do that on an offense where you weren't even a thought. Like just. And we talk about this all the time. I can go back on this Rams offense so many times. Now you have Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup in that same offense with Matthew Stafford throwing the ball. You're still going to be scoring all these touchdowns, all these fantasy points. Kyron Williams, he's the easy pick. And we can talk in the depth. But the, what he did this season, like he was pretty much an automatic top 10 running back every single week with top one upside every single week that he played. So you can't take away from what he was doing. That is the definition of a breakout. He broke out this season. He has a fantastic, uh, has a fantastic outlook moving forward. Sean McVay is going to be back as long as he's part of that offense. I don't think there's going to be any trouble. He's definitely the biggest breakout of 2023. Only one player had more top five finishes than Kyron Williams this year, and that was Christian McCaffrey. And remember, Kyron Williams missed a bunch of games this year. Okay, yeah, keep that in mind. All right, I agree. Kyron Williams here. Well, who was the biggest sleeper of the year, man? I think it was okay. The, the the two guys were like we've been snubbing Nico Collins and Rashad White. Okay, Nico Collins, you know he was um probably was a little bit more of a sleeper than Rashad White because Rashad White was being taken uh, in the in the sixth and seventh rounds. Nico Collins right. wasn't being taken until the fifteenth round. So, do you have any other uh, candidates here besides besides these guys? No, no, I don't. I don't think I do. You know, based on what we've seen, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. So we could name a bunch of sleepers at the beginning of the season. You Are you back. snubbing Nico Collins once again? I'm not. No, I'm not <laughs> snubbing Nico Collins once again. I'm going to give him this one because I don't think Rashad White as, was as much of a sleeper as he was just, you know, like we said, acknowledging that the upside wasn't really going to be there and then ended up kind of being there with Rashad White. So that was nice. But Nico Collins was a definition of a sleeper because I don't think anybody was taking him, expecting him to be like, a consistent week-to-week -week starter. They were looking at him like, okay, he'll have a game here or there. And I think a lot of people were concerned about C.J. Stroud being the quarterback too. Obviously, there was no reason for that. Hindsight, again, 2020. But people were worried about C.J. Stroud. Like, oh, it's a rookie. And we've seen Texans quarterbacks, you know, kind of go down to shitter a bunch of times this um, in, in the past couple of years since Deshaun Watson left. But C.J. Stroud came in, turned that narrative 100% around. And now you have Nico Collins here. I think he was the biggest sleeper because – and it's easy for me to name him the biggest sleeper because you were also on him. We talked about him a lot over the offseason being one of those guys. So I'm definitely gave him um, the biggest sleeper award. I agree. He was the biggest sleeper, and I'm glad I was able to identify that on all my fantasy teams. Biggest game of the year. CeeDee Lambs, 40 points in the championship. Jamar Chase's 60-point game in week three or whatever it was. 
I don't care that Jamal Chase <laughs> scored 60 points in week three. I care that CD Lamb scored 40 points in the championship to win some games. He won you some championships, right? And that's yes. what matters. Too. He he yep. he scored <laughs> the big big game. He had the big game when it mattered. For me personally, I gotta go with CD Lamb. Yeah. And that's I think that's the only answer if you take in the context of how the performance happened when it happened. That makes 100% sense. The top performer in championship week is probably always going to be the biggest game of the year, technically. But I do want to mention Devon Achan <laughs> earlier in the season because he had that 50-point performance, four total touchdowns in a game where Raheem Moster, another running back, had four total touchdowns. Like, that was huge. Like, come on. I don't want to just leave that out. Huge. Even though it was way early on in the season, he probably, he probably wasn't even in many people's rosters at that point. Big game on the bench. You can talk about big game on the bench. That was definitely Devon Achan. But I don't want to take away from the fact that he did it either because that was just an absolute scoring festival that week. The Dolphins put up 70 points. Freaking hilarious. Um, C.D. Lamb is the pick, but Devon Achan is an honorable, honorable mention in my book. I have um, all the top five, all the top fantasy performances. So Jamar Chase was number one. Uh, 52.2 points in week five. Amari Cooper in week 16. Uh, don't forget that game. He was uh, 51.5 points in that game. This is PPR. And you mentioned the Devon A. Chain game, 51.3 points in week three. Uh, Raheem Moser ended up scoring 45.2 points in week three as well. That same game. DJ Moore, remember, I think that was a Monday night football. Monday night? No, Thursday night football game. 49 yeah. points in week five. Christian McCaffrey, 48.7 points in week four. Uh, Keenan Allen had a 45-point game in week three as well. Week three was just bananas. So many big games <laughs> in week three. Yeah. Uh, Tyreek Hill to start the season off, 44 and a half points in week one. And then Brees Hall had that 43-point game just a few weeks ago. So yeah, um, some big games here. Some big games. Okay. Moving on. Next award. Let's see. We got the biggest bust of the season. Mm, Austin Eckler, Tony Pollard, Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. There was only one of these guys that was picked early in the first round, Zach. Yeah. And that was Austin Eckler. And mm-hmm. he ended up getting hurt early. You couldn't use him. And then he came back. He had a couple of usable games and then went went to shit. And you couldn't use him at all. And it was brutal. I think he was definitely the bust of the year. I think Tony Pollard is close. Because, but he was taken the second round, and he had some decent games. Okay, yeah. towards the end of the year, fantasy playoffs, he definitely let you down. But so did Austin Eckler, and even before the fantasy playoffs, Austin Eckler didn't get it done for you. And by picking Austin Eckler, that mean you that means you might have missed out on some good players. So yeah, well, <laughs> how many good first round picks were there based on ADP? I know, right? <laughs> I know. Well, I, listen, I I rather have had obviously CMC, but I would rather yeah. have had Justin Jefferson. I'd rather have had Jamar Chase. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'd rather have had Tyreek Hill, right? So, Definitely. you know what I mean? Like, so there were guys there that would have probably helped you out a little bit more than Austin Eckler did this year. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to go with Austin Eckler here. Like, the emotions definitely want me to pick Tony Pollard, you know, especially with the way we were talking about him and how th- everything was set up for him. Like it was a perfect storm. And obviously the perfect storm proved to be too much. That wasn't the case. But I think the difference maker for me is that you could have skated by having Tony Pollard on your team, maybe made the playoffs. He did obviously didn't help you in the playoffs, 
but maybe you made the playoffs if you had Tony Pollard because he had some solid games. You know, it's not like he was unusable. He had some quiet games right in the middle, right after the Dallas passing offense started picking up, and obviously C.D. Lamb came out. But um, if you look at Austin Eckler, <laughs> you you straight up, like you mentioned, couldn't use him because he was injured. As soon as he comes back, you know, he lulls you to sleep, makes you think he's going to have a solid comeback. You know, he's going to be able to be used, and then he has a terrible season the rest of the way. He lost you so many different games if you had him in your lineup. I think you have to take into account, like, it's easy to see the whole picture. You sit back and you look at the game log. It's like, yeah, this was a terrible season. But it's even worse in season when you're not sure what's going to happen next. I think that that wondering what's going to happen, not knowing for sure if Austin Eckler is going to come through for you or not on a week-to-week basis, and then having him just hit the bed every single time, like, that's an even worse feeling. That makes him the bust of the year. So I'm in agreement here with you. Travis Kelsey was a bust too because you could have just picked a tight end later on, right? And and be oh, just yeah. fine. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like there was a couple of guys, I Sam think- Laporta, Jay McBride. Um, you know, you obviously during the beginning of the season, you know, you might have had some issues, right? But you know, Travis Kelsey in the first round, you'd put him there because you were assuming that he was going to be a difference maker at the position, and he wasn't. And yeah, I think that was that was a it's- problem. Patrick Mahomes in round two is probably even worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Patrick Mahomes was very middle of the pack quarterback. I, I I don't want to take, I don't want to say Travis Kelsey was a total total bust because by the general tight end standard, he had a very good season. But by his own standard, what you drafted him for, it was a huge bust. And so I think that's the discrepancy that you have to make there because he had a solid season. It's just not anything close to what we've been used to seeing with him. So I don't think he's a bust. Yeah, I, I, I mean for me, through. like the bust the. the the bus is going to, to like it's going to include where you took him in drafts, right? And oh, yeah. mm-hmm. if you draft him in the first round, you want him to return on that first round price. Yes, I agree. Like he he did have good decent games and he didn't absolutely kill you, but he did kill you in the playoffs. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the worst playoffs. Like a couple guys here, actually, all four of the guys, four of the guys that I mentioned didn't really have great playoff games. Patrick Mahomes also right. didn't have a good playoff game at the end of uh week week 17. So, and then I have one more, guys. The most consistent player, Jalen Hurts, Rashad White, Amon Ross St. Brown, and then I threw Evan Ingram in there. I, I basically chose one of these guys per position, so I think these guys are the winners for each position. Um, yeah, uh, I, I don't know if you agree with the Evan Ingram one, but uh, I think he was pretty consistent no, every do. single week. He, he had the least, um, you know, uh, variance out of all the tight ends, like mathematically. And Jalen Hurts, man, every single week he was getting it done. Tush pushes out every week almost. Uh, you know, Rashad White, a similar thing. You know, I, I think Christian McCaffrey was actually the most consistent. But, like, how many awards can we give Christian McCaffrey? Okay, Rashad White, you know, is <laughs> right. going to be that guy for me. Did, right. And then Amon Ra, at the wide receiver position, Amon Ra, pretty much every single week. He had a couple down games here and there, but he ended up getting it done almost every single week. He was Mr. Consistent, Mr. Reliability. Yeah, 100%. I, I think the biggest one for me, if I had to pick one, it would be Jalen Hurts. And like, yeah. I'm so I'm sorry, but he has had two single-digit fantasy points game in the past <laughs> two seasons. The past two seasons. He's That's had crazy. 20 points in, I don't know, I could count it up right now. I can't count it on two hands. The number of 20-point games that he's had this season and last season is just ridiculous. Like, if you have Jalen Hurts, just automatic QB1 performance. And it doesn't matter, obviously, how the offense looks in Philly because they've had some terrible weeks these past few weeks, and he's still getting it done. Why? Because of the tush push. It's just an absolute fancy cheat code. Like, if you had to build a fancy quarterback, 
Like you need that tush push 100%. That it's like an all time fantasy cheat code that Jalen Hurts has. That's what I'm going to call that because no other quarterback has that. He's just delivered to touchdowns. And I can't, for the life of me, I swear no other team has their skill players get tackled at the one more often than the Eagles do. And it just plays right into Jalen Hurts' hand every single time. <laughs> so that's going to make him the most consistent just by that alone. I- I'm going with that one. Yeah. Jalen Hurts uh, had the most uh, top 10 finishes of any quarterback this year. He only had one top two finish, and then Josh Allen only had one less top 10 finish than Jalen Hurts, but he had five top two finishes this year. Uh, that was by far the most of any quarterback. So uh, in terms of like the most upside, Josh Allen definitely came through for sure. Um, all right, that's going to do it for the awards. Uh, real quick, guys, I want to talk about these playoff scenarios, okay? And this is going to be really just kind of going through these playoff scenarios, just, just, just so you know what to expect you know, going in. Okay, let's start with the division leaders real quick in the AFC. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The AFC North is locked up by the Ravens, okay? They're the number one seed that is locked up. We could see them rest their starters, okay? The AFC West, locked up by the Chiefs. Their seeding is also locked up, so they could rest their starters as well, and they probably will. NFC North, locked up by the Lions. Their seeding is not locked up, okay? NFC West, locked up by the 49ers. Their seeding is locked up. They are the number one seed in the NFC, all right? AFC East. This is where it gets interesting. Okay. The Bills won four straight and they went from like, are they going to make the playoffs to having a chance at the number two seed? But there actually still is a chance that they missed the playoffs. Okay. They're playing against Miami this week, Sunday night football, the perfect game to end the regular season. Um, and they have to win. Okay. Cause if they win, they win the AFC East. They get the number two seed. If they lose, they most likely make the playoffs unless the Steelers beat the Ravens, who, by the way, will be resting Lamar and some of their starters. Uh, and the Jaguars would have to beat the Titans. And in that scenario, the Bills would lose and and make it out of the playoffs, okay? That's okay. going to be interesting. That's going to be a really good game between Miami and Buffalo. It's going to be a playoff environment for the division. Yeah, so I'm low-key rooting for the Ravens to lose to the Steelers and then the Jaguars to beat the Titans because then that would set up it would be the two seed or bust for the Bills. And that would be a huge, huge game at the end of the season. This is yeah. an NFL fan. That would be sick. Now, yeah, because you want it to fans. be uh, basically you'll be getting an extra playoff game. Yeah. Highly consequential. But like, oh my God. Could you imagine being a Bills fan if those situations would play out where the Steelers beat the Ravens, the Jaguars beat the Titans, and then it's winning in or losing out? 
like completely. Right. Like oh. exactly. It's it's not going to have the same feeling. The stakes aren't going to be as high if there's a, they just fall back to a wild card. You know, then it's like oh well we're just going to even if we lose this it's fine. If they start going down, they'll be like all right, let's take all take all our starters out. There's no reason to. We're just going to accept our seating. I just want that to happen, Loki. I want that huge matchup at the end. For sure. I agree. All right, AFC South. The Jaguars, the Colts, the Titans, the Texans are all nine and seven. The Texans are going up against the Colts. The winner will secure a playoff spot regardless, but only um as far as the division goes. Um the I'm looking at the Jaguar. If the Jaguars lose to the Titans, then that's the only way that the I think the Texans can make can win the division, if I'm not mistaken. So whoever wins Saturday night gets the playoff spot. And then if the Jaguars win, they get the division. Otherwise, the winner of the Saturday night game is a division winner. Okay, so right. any three of these teams can end up getting the division, uh, but the Saturday night game is going to be a huge factor there. Okay, whoever makes it in is going to be interesting. If I had to root for a team, it's probably the Texans because I would love to see C.J. Stroud you know, in the playoffs. Uh, to yep. see what they can do. Gardner Minshew would be a nice story, but, you know, it's like they're, they're probably not going to be, you know, moving forward. But Texans team, man, they they, they could be sneaky, right? Um, it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see what they can do there. Um, I'd love to see CJ Stroud in the playoffs. Like, yeah, yeah, playoffs. exactly. I, I think he, I think the Texans would be in already if CJ Stroud didn't get hurt. You know what I'm saying? I, I think they would have one of those games. So I, I'm just going to go with um, Texans. That's who I'm rooting for. So the AFC wildcard spots, right? One of those AFC South teams, you know, will get a wildcard spot, the ones that I just mentioned. And then the Steelers can get a wildcard spot if they beat the Ravens on Saturday night and then the Bills lose to the Dolphins, okay? Um, or, I mean, they have a couple ins, actually. The Jaguars could also lose to the Titans. Um, and then the Jaguars could lose and then the Broncos can win against the Raiders. Um, I'm sorry, the Jaguars can win and the Broncos can win against the Raiders. So they have a few ways to get in. So the Steelers can get in. It'll be crazy, man. Like Mike Tomlin, once again, you know, just doing what he needs to do to like, you know, have a positive season. Um, <laughs> yeah, but nobody, nobody, nobody wants to see the Steelers <laughs> in the playoffs, though. Nobody wants to see no. that. Imagine okay. that with Mason Rudolph at quarterback. Nobody wants to I'm see him. I'm good. That's crazy. I'm good. By the way, the Browns already locked up one of the wild card spots. They're locked into the fifth seed no matter what. So they'll likely rest their starters as well. Okay. Let's move to the NFC East. The Cowboys and the Eagles, both 11 and 5. The Cowboys have the edge right now. The Eagles play the Giants. Uh, the Cowboys play the Commanders. Both, you know, winnable games. Uh, you know, I would say that, but the Eagles lost to the Cardinals last week. If both of, the, of both the Eagles and the Cowboys win, the Cowboys win the division. The Eagles would need to win, and the Cowboys would have to lose, obviously, for them to win the division. Okay, so losing to the Cardinals was really something last week for sure. It didn't really help the Eagles at all. Yeah. Okay. You can't clown um, the Eagles for losing to the Cardinals as a Cowboys fan. Unbelievable. Because Dallas lost <laughs> the Cardinals earlier in the season with Josh Dobbs at quarterback. So oh, just, did they really? That's so funny. You don't remember Wait, that? Card- oh, my God. I'm did glad the Cardinals were- beat the Giants, too, or no? Did no, they sweep the, Giants, the NFC East? The Giants. Well, the Cardinals were up 28 to whatever, like 28 to oh, 6 right. on the Giants. Oh, was that the, the Giants came back 34 to 28. That was, they won. That was, was that Daniel Jones in week two? I that was, was the Daniel Jones week two game. Yes. And then yes, I remember he that. looked okay. like he was back and then he wasn't. <laughs> All right. The NFC South, the Bucks sit atop the division right now. The Saints have the same record at eight and eight. 
The Bucs play Carolina. The Saints play Atlanta. Okay, so the Bucs control their own destiny. So if they win, they're the, the they're the division winner. Okay, so the Baker Mayfield will be looking to win that game. If they lose, the Saints get the win, and the Saints get the win over Atlanta. The Saints win the division. Okay, Atlanta can only get into the playoffs by winning the division. They need to beat the they they need to beat the Saints, and the Bucs need to lose to the Panthers. Atlanta has the edge over both teams in that scenario because of head to head. Uh, if that happens, they'd make the playoffs with a losing record, which would be again not something that we would want. Okay, we don't want again, Atlanta to make yeah. the playoffs. The primary takeaway here is root for the Saints and the Buccaneers. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly. it. You have two outs. Just don't let the Falcons make it. All right, last thing here: the NFC wild card. One of the Cowboys and the Eagles will definitely have the top wild card spot, um, depending on who wins the division there. The Rams have a wild card spot locked up as well. They're going to be resting their starters. Matthew Stafford is not playing this week. They're going to play Puka Nakua a little bit until he breaks the records. He can break the rookie reception <laughs> record. That's Jalen Waddle, and the rookie receiving record, which is Jamar Chase. Okay, so he's looking to break those two records this year, okay. this week. Question on records. Do you count it for 17 games? I know a lot of you people do? who are really upset about you know not doing it in 16 games. I know some of these players did it in 17 games, but like Especially well, Chase, one person, I will name him. My dad hates the 17 game <laughs> record thing. He's like, you have to do it in 16 games or it doesn't count. It's like in 10 years, we're going to be talking about the records all the same because now there's going to be a much larger yeah. sample size of 17 game seasons. But Jamar Chase ended up count that. Yeah, I do. J- Jamar Chase ended up, you know, doing breaking the receiving record in 17 games. He is the record holder. So. It is what it is, you know. There you go. Um, Jalen Waddle, <laughs> Jalen Waddle. Is it the same year? I think it was, if I'm not mistaken. Jail, yeah, Jalen Waddle. The reception was, record. It was 2021 that he was a rookie. Yeah, is that when he did it? Yeah, 2021 was a rookie. So yeah, but he did it in 16 games. But that was the first 17 game season, though. So there yeah. you go. Okay. Um. Yeah. So uh, back to the NFC wild card. The Packers are in a win and in scenario for that last spot. The Bears can play spoiler. Right, because they're playing the Packers, the, the their division rival. They would love to do that. Now they can still get in if the Vikings, Seahawks, or one of the NFC South wildcard contenders lose. Okay, so I mentioned the Seahawks; they have the same record as the Packers. So you know they need to they need the Packers to lose to get in, uh, and then the Vikings they also have a, a small shot, uh, but they they need a lot of help. They're seven and nine right now, but they they would need a lot of help to get in. Okay, yeah, that's it. You are you're ready. You ready for week 18, guys? This was a long-ass episode, but we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, and uh, we'll be back on Tuesday. We're going to be we're gonna be talking about – what are we talking about, dude? We're talking – let's see. We got the Dynasty Rankings and Update Show and then a week 18 review. So we're going to be reviewing these games, getting you ready for wildcard, wildcard weekend. And we'll also be talking about our Dynasty Movers, you know, after I updated my rankings earlier this week. All right? We'll see you guys then. Take it easy. See ya.